This episode of the Adventure Jogger Podcast brought to you by Tracy Showerman, Robbie Gannon, Kurt Chambers, All Terrain Adventures, all of our Patreon supporters, and of course, you, the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Lindsay, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Welcome to The Adventure Jogger. Thank you. Excited to be here. First off, congratulations. Six days in the dome in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You were the third woman overall, but you set a new age group record, 324 miles. That deserves some congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> what made you want to run in the Pettit Ice Center for six dang days? If people don't know, this is where Olympic speed skaters will, will <laughs> practice, and there is a running track on the outside of the speed uh, skating track. And for years, Steve Durbin and others have been hosting this six days in the dome event where for six days, you are off from the rest of the world. You are closed in <laughs> to speed skating land. Why did you, why was that on your radar? And, and why did you want to do that? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. It definitely was something that had not always been on my radar. I feel like when I started running, I was just like all about the marathons. And then when the pandemic hit and Boston was canceled, I was like, okay, 100 miler. Like that was the next like kind of big thing. I like needed a really big goal to chase. And I feel like that's my favorite thing about running is it's just like me against me. So, you know, did some 100s, really loved that, learned a lot, jumped up to a 48-hour race, really enjoyed that. Then I heard about a six-day race. Um, I didn't really do much research, but I was like, yep, six days. Like, that's what it is. I was like, oh, it's in Milwaukee, like not far from where I grew up. Like, logistically, that's going to be easy for me. I can have friends kind of bring stuff. And so I just right away, as soon as I saw like a six-day, I had never even really heard of that. As soon as I did, I just knew that was going to be like my next big challenge. I just like love challenging myself. And I feel like mental strength is like such like a huge like strength of mine. And so and I know like obviously running is very physical, but it's also very mental. And so I just knew six days, um, the challenge. And yeah, I decided why not if I'm excited about something like why not pursue it while you know, the excitement is there body's feeling good and healthy. I just felt like now was the time to kind of do it. <laughs> The thing that gets me about six days in the dome is most races. Marathon takes you out of reality for, let's just say, four hours, give or take, right? <laughs> a 50-miler takes you out of reality for 12, 14 hours, give or take, right? 100-miler is going to take you out of reality for a day. You're not not checking your Facebook. You're not checking your Instagram. <laughs> you don't know who's calling your phone. You, you are just living in the moment for that time and the outside world is going to do what the outside world does and you don't know. And then for six days, that's an entirely different <laughs> animal stepping out of the world for six days. How do you prepare yourself mentally? You're there for your, you know, you're in shape. I think if you're, there's a certain level of shape, Lindsay, you can say you're an idiot. What are you talking about? <laughs> Where I think you reach a certain level of shape and you can pretty much do whatever it is your mind will allow you to do. Um, I think if you're in a hundred mile shape, you're in six day shape. You just have to be smart about it. How did you mentally prepare for six days inside an ice skating rink and, and being away from the world to prepare for, you have to be in the moment and in that breath for six straight days. Yeah. Um, I will say I like love running and training by myself. So like going on like 
multiple hour runs is like something that I enjoy so much. I don't run with my phone. I don't run with music. If I do, it's like very rare. Um, so all my training is like very mentally just like me and myself and just like the outdoors and the environment. So that again, uh, worked out well for me. I think going in and like having a goal of like what I wanted to accomplish and just staying like so focused on that, not worrying about what anyone else was doing when people were, you know, taking sleep breaks or they were, you know, had different kind of strategies just because everyone is doing it so differently. Everyone is going through highs at different times, lows at different times. And I think just like staying focused on like what my goal was, you know, how many miles I wanted to hit each day is when I wanted to take breaks and not just be like influenced by others. Um, just kind of like sticking with my plan. Um, and yeah, just like staying focused on that. And just cause my goal like meant so much to me. Every time I set a goal, I do it for myself, not because I want to, you know, like be so-and-so or anything like that. So like when it means so much to me, it is easy just to keep working through it because it's something that I set for myself. Mm. Um, and so that's all it was about six days. Again, it was my like first kind of go with it. And so yeah, I just was really proud of myself for like trying and like giving it my best effort and sticking with my plan. Um, yeah. <laughs> was there a moment though? Like, what was the first low moment for you in that six days? Oh, I was day three was the hardest day. I think because the 72, 72 hour runners were finished. At that point, it was like just dark. It was lonely. It felt like there was like not many people. A lot of people were sleeping for like longer periods of time. It was the first time I remember I was just so tired and I wanted to lay down and it finally came to my break and everything just hurt. Like I couldn't even lay down because I was in like such physical pain. Like it wasn't, it was just like my muscles were hurting and I just wanted to start crying because I like needed to sleep. And I was like so sleep deprived, but I couldn't because like my body hurt to lay down. I took ibuprofen and like that didn't help. So I like sat up in my chair with my blanket and it like wasn't good sleep, but it was like more comfortable. And it just was that like physical pain. I had never really experienced that. Like I was moving along like on the track fine but it just came like when I stopped and like tried to lay down and so yeah that just mentally was hard and to think like oh my gosh like I have three more days of this like it's cold in here it's lonely and that really mentally was hard because you're like I'm halfway but like I feel like it's different when you're in like a marathon you're like okay 13 more miles or 100 it's like 50 miles but I'm like oh gosh like three more days like 72 hours like and so that yes day three I can remember it so vividly but yes that was mentally the hardest thing was day day three (laughs) Well, and you think about this for a second, 72 hours, right? You have been running with people, forming a little community, a little group Mm -hmm. for three days, Mm -hmm. three days. You've been hanging out with these folks and, and, you know, different levels of interaction, but you're, you're both, everyone there is participating in this physical event. You are suffering together. That builds a bond. (laughs) And now- your friends you've had for the last three days <laughs> have got to go back into the real world and you have to repeat that time again. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you're like, did I sign up for the six day or the 72? Can I double check? Yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> how, how did you break yourself out of that world of well, my, my friends that I've just spent the last three days with are gone and, uh, I'm miserable. I'm hurting. Yeah. I can call it. No one is going to say, Lindsay, you failed. If you do three days in the dump, yeah. right? how did you get yourself back out there? So yeah, kind of, I know no one would say that to me, but like, I would say that to myself. Like mm-hmm. one thing I can never do is like quit on myself. Like if I set a goal, like I'm going to do whatever I have to like finish it. Like when it comes to a race, even if I set off with like this time and it's not like the time I want, like I'm still always going to finish. And so for me, there was no way I was going to stop at day three, even if I had to like barely move along. I just knew like I was going to keep going mentally. Just I think, yeah, like the mental toughness and like having a goal and being like so driven and just kind of everything that I had dealt with just 
kind of leading up to that race, um, London Marathon, I'm sure we'll kind of touch on that, but just everything there was just, I think when stuff like that happens, I think of how many people have just kind of doubted me and said like negative things to me that really helps drive me to like keep going and just like to prove to myself that like, you know, I deserve these things. Like I've accomplished these things. Um, too, just also like, so it was that like the mental side of it, but also knowing like the sun is going to come up. There was little windows that you can see. And even through that, just seeing a little bit of sunshine, looking forward to the breakfast, cinnamon toast crunch. Like that was my jam. That was my favorite thing in the morning. I feel like, cause I ate so much of that when I was a kid, it just like brought me back to like happiness of like kid eating cereal I don't know what it was but I like ate so much cinnamon toast crunch during that race but I was like looking forward to my bowl of cereal I was like okay as soon as 6 a.m hits like that's the turnaround on the track and then breakfast is going to be served and I just remember kept telling myself like just get to 6 a.m like look at the window see a little bit of daylight it was so sunny and beautiful outside the whole week we saw the sunshine through the windows Mm -hmm. but and like mentally that just helped so much to kind of see that and to have that look forward to it's like you know the saying like the sun always rises and like that was true I kind of got to that point I got like food and yeah I was able to just kind of keep going after that just yeah told myself just to get to that to that point isn't it amazing you never would have thought all those years ago having those bowls of cinnamon toast crunch <laughs> that someday that that would be the thing that would get you yes. through a hard task would be oh six p.m's yes. coming cinnamon <laughs> toast crunch is gonna be yes. here before you know it it was great it was so exciting <laughs> <laughs> um you crossed the finish line right? Seven, six days are are done. You have Mm -hmm. spent six days in an ice skating rink with speed skaters in their (laughs) massive quads. And you've been running around in circles nonstop. Yeah. (laughs) The occasional sleep break and cinnamon toast crunch break. (laughs) You've completed numerous races. You've done ultras. You've done marathons. How did that feel though? When you finish that, you've got 324 miles. You set a new uh, <laughs> record for your age group. You were the third woman overall. How did that finish line feel? It, I was just so surreal. And just honestly, like my proudest accomplishment, I think just something that I love so much about running is that like you're the one like doing the work. Um, you know, I like always played team sports. I played basketball in college and, you know, like you have your teammates. So if like you're having an off shooting night, like someone else is having a great game. So you always have other people to rely on. But with, like with running, it's like you doing the work like you're and I'm like, I'm the one that did that. Like I ran 324 miles. And yeah, just like crossing that finish line and just feeling like so proud of myself. I just couldn't believe it. I felt like the six days felt like the longest and shortest six days at the same time. Um, but yeah, just like so proud of myself and there I can't even like really put it into words but just like setting a goal and just kind of my first attempt at it uh finishing like healthy you know really no like injuries I never had like a blister or anything like that um yeah just but just like so proud of myself um yeah it has to be a sense of mental relief as well um did you feel like a like a like a (laughs) sigh of relief that okay now I can return (laughs) to reality Yes, I jumped on a flight to Bali that night. Um, it was like surreal even flying there. I just remember like getting to like Doha, like at my layover. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I ran for all of that time. And then just like waking up there. And I was like, what day is it? Like what time? I just took a while to kind of like reacclimate to like days and like concepts and just like even checking my phone and like texting people back. It was like several days later. And it's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you missed a, there's a whole week yeah. of your life that Which is was crazy gone yeah right it feels like it didn't even happen like and it's just weird to think like all my friends like went to work all week like people took vacations and you know did all of this and I was like I was just running in circles like it just it seems so weird like when I think about you know even just like a normal week I'm like oh it's weird to think like I'm running for a week <laughs> right right exactly <laughs> everyone else is going about their business right they're going to work they've had meetings yeah. You know, yeah. had, you know, fights with their spouse, you know, they slept on the couch and now everything's like, and you just had this step by step by cinnamon cr- uh, toast. Crunch yeah. It's like going in circles. Experience. Like what? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. You have a strength, Lindsay, an incredible mental strength that comes from a very interesting place. It comes from childhood. Um, you said something in an interview that 
I, th- I think is just absolutely stunning in a way to look at things completely different. You're two years old. You're diagnosed with alopecia, which is, a, it, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, I was just reading up on it. You can say you're, you must have been on WebMD or something and got it wrong. <laughs> but it's, it's, an, it's an autoimmune disease mm-hmm. where your body attacks hair follicles, almost like it's a foreign body. And it attacks the hair follicles, and then it all falls out in in like clumps. And and in a certain amount of time, you lose every hair on your body. Yes. So there's universalis, which is what I have. So mm-hmm. that's total body hair. So that's arm hair, leg hair, just you know anything. Or you can have areata, which is the other kind, and that's where you can lose it, and then it might grow back. It might grow back in a year, maybe five years. It might grow back fully, and you'll never lose it again. But you'll still have eyebrows and eyelashes, arm hair, leg hair, all of that. Um, and so, yeah, those are the two different different types. So you have the universe. You do the universal one. Um, yeah, universalis. Yeah, I knew it was. Yeah. Greek. I knew it was. Yeah, <laughs> I knew there was some Greek in there somewhere. Yeah. But you said in an interview, Lindsay, you said. Alopecia has truly been the greatest gift I never knew I needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a powerful statement. Yeah, it's 100, 100% true. I like feel it just, yeah. <laughs> because going back in time a bit here, you're, you're two, right? Two-year-olds don't know what's going on. They know they got Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> they got TV. You know, they got their favorite toys and all of that. But at some point... Lindsay, you go to school and you realize that you are different than the other kids at school. And it's kind of funny when you think about it, the difference is so minuscule, right? Like what really is the difference? I mean, you didn't have hair, Mm -hmm. but that little tiny difference, which seems absurd, is something that society, especially society, is way harder on women than it is on men. I don't have to look good. All I have to do is be funny. And I have value in society. That's the truth. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at like 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 uh, sitcoms and everything, right? The, the, the doughy middle-aged man who's funny has the beautiful 20-year-old wife. Because to have value in society, a man, you have to be uh, either intelligent enough to make money or be funny. And that's it. That's all it's asked of us, right? For women, there is so much put on looks. You have to look a certain way. You have to have the certain thing, right? And so you end up having, you, you go to school and there's something different about you. And you would hope, we would all hope, right? That every kid would be like, oh, that's cool and move on. You probably experienced that a lot in your life. But we don't live in fantasy land where everything is roses and everyone's kind you had quite a bit the other experience as well, didn't you? Yeah. Um, kids are just beyond terrible. I, um, yeah, I remember just like the things people would say to me, I think, you know, not having like eyebrows, um, I have them tattooed on now, but you know, just like not having that, having like very little eyelashes, just the stuff people would say, um, they would, you know, tell me I was ugly, tell me that I looked like a boy, constantly like make fun of my wig and just like not having hair. And I was like, just so self-conscious. I hated school. I hated being around like my peers. I just hated everything like about my alopecia. I just became so like isolated and quiet and just, yeah, it was just hard. Like I had no one to talk to. No one understood. I didn't know anyone else with alopecia. I never, you know, told teachers or anything just because I didn't want kids to like, you know, get in trouble and then be like even more mean to me. Um, and yeah, it was just really hard because I just think like I would never make fun of someone and just the way people did it. And I was just like so nice to people. Like I was quiet. I was polite. Like I, I was never mean. And so I never understood like why people would make fun of me and just for something that like I couldn't help. Um, but yeah, kids are terrible. And I mean, yeah, I can remember like everything. It's just something I will like, honestly, never forget. Well, how could you? I mean, you're just a kid, right? It makes no sense why kids would jump on you and try to make you feel bad for something you have no control over. Mm-hmm. Right. 
I was talking to my my youngest daughter today, and she's she's seventeen, and I said, "Listen, someday, way off into the future, um, you know, if you if you ever decide to have kids, if you ever want to make mom and I grandparents, that's awesome. If not, that's your choice. But if you do, the greatest gift you can give to your kids is teaching them to be kind and have empathy. That is mm-hmm. the that is the if you give them nothing else, like if you can teach them to be kind." and be empathetic, that is the best gift you can possibly give to kids. Because it seems like, especially in pop culture, you look at you know, what the videos that YouTube shows people in TikTok, it's confusing messages, especially now, mm-hmm. where coolness is seen, as, is, is seen as cool, right? You're cool if you're cruel. You know, yeah. those are the things that get you know, that those are the videos that get shown to all of us when the reality is kindness uh, is is something that you can change people's life for the better, right? With, with mm-hmm. simple kindness. And to th- pile on top of that, we go back. I'm, I'm not going to reveal your age, you know. Oh, you can. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> no, no, but, but I will just say this. When you were a kid... <laughs> The benefit of social media is nowadays, if you were a, if you were a kid dealing with this, you could find an online group of people um, that mm-hmm. you could talk to with. You know, I mean, you lived you live in you grew up in Slinger, Wisconsin. How <laughs> many people in Slinger, Wisconsin, had alopecia? Probably one, and that was you. Yeah. And yep. you had <laughs> nobody else. But now you have you could have groups, and and you, by the way, have created a great organization <laughs> called Lindsay's Little Pals where you can create like pen pals for kids that are dealing with what you had to deal with as a child, which is a great way mm-hmm. of taking a situation and, and making the world a better place. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a cool thing that I, that I saw. But so growing up, um, you're dealing with this. You get into team sports and you become a heck of a basketball player. Did team sports change kind of the dynamic at school that you're not just Lindsay now the girl who wears wigs you're Lindsay the gal who is just a monster on the basketball court um yes and no um I'll say there were a lot of people who were just like very like supportive of me um and who just were, you know, like had my back and anything that I needed, I know I like could have went to them just because they, you know, you know, I was the basketball player, you know, I was like helping us win games and, you know, people like wanted me there and just saw like how hard I worked and all that. And I did have some really great teammates. I think also, you know, when you're a freshman, you're like playing up on varsity sports, um, you know, you're winning awards, breaking records, kind of all that kind of stuff that also brings out like a very like jealous side of people. And so... I won't say that everyone was like super nice and supportive, yeah. but I also know like I had the best high school coach who was like just so supportive of me. And I know I could have like went to him for everything. Um, so he was great. And I just knew like this like was my thing, like basketball was my thing. And so like bullying like definitely bothered me less than like the negativity of others. Cause I was like, you know, I'm going to get a scholarship. I'm going to have this like super right. great career. And like, I'm just like so focused on that. And so I have this like really healthy distra- distraction. Um, I like loved basketball. It's so fun for me. Um, just, you know, have like a rough day at school, come home, shoot hoops in the driveway for hours. But I had this like really great thing in my life. And so Malapisha just became a lot easier to kind of deal with because I wasn't focused on it so much just because like I did have basketball um and yeah so I did have some really really great teammates um and just like classmates um I mean yeah again not everyone but yeah <laughs> but it definitely changed the dynamic because now you had this tight group of friends it, team sports creates a bond especially mm-hmm. if you experience success together um, you have this, this, this shared memory of these really fantastic times. Uh, by the way, I did see you were inducted into the Slinger High School Hall of Fame for basketball <laughs> yes. recently. Yes. So, so big ups to, <laughs> to, to you on that. You said Thank you played you. college basketball. Where, where'd you play college ball? Uh, Minnesota Duluth. Okay. No, yep. Minnesota Duluth. Yep. Yep. My nephew, my <laughs> nephew just signed to play football at Minnesota Duluth. Oh, that's awesome. It's honestly Duluth is so beautiful. It's a great school. Um, yeah, he's gonna he's he's gonna love it. <laughs> I'm excited to go see him play. I've heard really good things about 
the, the school yeah. and, you know. Yeah, Duluth, Duluth's so. awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Basket, playing college basketball, good experience doing that? Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, you know, I just think, like, to work so hard and, like, you know, like, that was my goal to, like, get a scholarship and just, like, play in college and just experiencing that, like, on, like, a different level. I think, yeah, it was just, it was, it was great. <laughs> But as so many times I've talked to people who have done team sports and I've, I've talked to, you know, wrestlers and soccer players and all of that. And I've said numerous times at one point you walk off the court for the last time and then, it, mm-hmm. then it's done. Right. And so it's, it, it's basketball is something that, yeah, you can play pickup basketball at the Y after yeah. work, <laughs> but there's, I mean, there's, there's a few people that can do it professionally. Uh, they're generally very tall uh, and, and it's rare. <laughs> It's very yeah. rare. There's not like an endless supply of, of professional basketball teams out there just full of yeah. players. Uh, we all have to take our, our, our sport and put it on a shelf and it becomes a hobby and step into the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, were you a runner during high school and college or no. all that? <laughs> so running is something that you discovered after mm-hmm. you had hit your last three-pointer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was never a runner. I hated the mile in PE. They tried to get me to join the cross country team, the track team. I was like, no, I'm playing softball. They were like, well, you can just like come run in the meets. You don't have to practice. I was like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. And yeah, I wasn't a runner at all. And then there was grandma's marathon, which is in Duluth. And that was my first marathon. And yeah, I had watched, you know, everyone run the marathon like every summer, just like with my friends. And I think just like being so, internally motivated and just I'm like yeah marathon I want to cross it off my bucket list like that looks really fun um again wasn't really a runner didn't really train for it um but like ran grandma's marathon um when I was a senior in college and I loved it it just was something like so empowering like coming down into canal park and just like crossing that finish line and just like the crowds of people and just again like knowing like i did that all on my own versus you know having like my teammates always in basketball but like running no i was the one that ran like those 26.2 miles and i like loved it and i knew once basketball was done with i knew i was going to take up running um and it you know something that was like totally brand new to me just because i never was a runner and so i just had like so much to learn. Even now I feel like I, yeah, just so much to learn. I've never hit that burnout just because I consider myself like, like a newer runner when it comes now to like ultras and things like that. Um, but yeah, that's how I started running. <laughs> it's a great story. And it's so funny. If I had a dollar for every person I interviewed who said, <laughs> and I hated the mile in gym class, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then they go on later on in life and they're running ultras. Yeah. Know? Same thing. I remember you'd go into gym, right? And the gym yeah. teacher would be like, all right, everybody get your shorts on. It's time to do the mile. And you'd be like, oh, no. Yeah. And my height and my coach was like my basketball coach was my PE coach. And he's like, I know you can run faster. So I would like just book it through that mile. And I'd be like one of the fastest ones. And they're like, join the track team. And I'm like, no. Like, but yeah. <laughs> it's so funny to think about those days now when you looked at four laps around the track. I know. And you're like, this is so much. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Exactly. Little did, did high school Lindsay know yeah. <laughs> that someday adult Lindsay would pay money to be forced right. to run for six straight days. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How was that transition for you? Cause you have, you have to be in shape to play basketball. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so you you had some base level of shape, and you're running back and forth along the court. Um, yeah. How was that transition to running the marathon? Because it it sounds like you just saw the marathon and you skipped the five k, ten k, half marathon. Yeah, you went straight <laughs> straight to the marathon. Yeah, I just jumped right in with with it with the full. Um, yeah, you know, honestly, I feel like the first one, um, kind of after that, I was like, okay, like, let me research like marathon running, like proper training, like hydration, just kind of like all of that stuff. But like, in the beginning, I was still very much like, wearing my wigs, like struggling mm-hmm. with my alopecia, like hiding my alopecia. So in the beginning, it was really just about, I like loved the feeling of running. I love that. Again, it was like, me running and accomplishing that like crossing those finish lines that was like me putting in the work and then the training I just really loved like that aspect of it so it wasn't really about like 
time like necessarily but just like enjoying like running so much it was just very fun and very freeing and the more I was running the more you know I had success with that my times were getting faster all of that I just really started like to gain confidence like in myself and like through that transition that's kind of when I really started to you know come to grips with like my reality that I never wanted to face that you know my hair is never coming back like I'm never gonna have hair and instead of like letting my alopecia control me and just like the fear of that and like what other people thought like I needed to take like control of this and like not let it hold me back and running really helped me just like gain confidence like in myself just because it was like such an individual thing um and so yeah that's really yeah like running really helped me a lot just like embrace my alopecia to think that all of the weight you were carrying around on your shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. Of you had to take this extra step. You had to you had to find you had to worry about taping hair yeah. onto your head so so other people, so other people would be nice. The barrier for people to treat you like you should be treated and like every human being should be treated was you had to tape hair onto your head. And that was something that, you know, like, I can't even think like running. I can't even imagine running yeah. and worrying about all of that just for, for other people that must've just been horrible to just have to worry about that. Yeah. I think like the extremes that I went to, um, I just remember, especially even like thinking back to basketball, like I would, you know, be like so sweaty that I would like have to take my wig off during halftime. I would like go into a bathroom stall and like the assistant coach would like shout into the locker room like three minutes and I would be like freaking out just because I, you know, I'm taking my wig off. I'm like in the bathroom stall. I'm trying to like dry it off with a towel, retape it. My head is like bleeding and has these open sores from just like the tape. Um, and I'm trying to like put it back on like frantically. She's like two minutes. And it just was so stressful just because obviously like I'm going to play in the game. And like it just I just remember that like I hated that. But it's just like what I had to do. And I'm trying to like put it back on. Right. And there was just so many times, you know, you go up for a shot and, you, you know, get hit in the face and it would just kind of adjust. And it was yeah stressful. Everything I put myself through. Um, yeah. Just so I could kind of like hide my alopecia and the way I just tore up my head I still have scars from just again like the double-sided tape and it would just like really cut into my head and then I would have like a little adjustable um like cap with it and I would just put it so tight and it would just engroove my head but just so it would like stay on better and I would wear these like thick headbands um but yeah just whatever I could to kind of keep it on um just so I wouldn't draw like more attention to myself. Um, but yeah, I went to like very extremes, like just to like keep it on. You talk about the, the, the sores and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then what I, what I love about, you talked moments ago about running and how through running, you run this marathon, you run another marathon, <laughs> you're good at this, right? And, and the, the empowerment that so many of us feel when you cross that finish line of, oh, my God, I, I did this. <laughs> I was able to accomplish this, right? And it seemed like running helped you to move into acceptance of mm-hmm. what genetics had dealt you and just loving yourself more. Like feeling like you were, listen, this is who I am. You like it, great. You don't, sucks to be you. Mm -hmm. Like you were empowered by running to be your true authentic self. Yes, 100%. Running is just, I think, yeah, everyone who runs just kind of knows. It's just such like a great feeling. Um, But yeah, the more I was running, the more I was just like getting confidence in myself and just felt like the most like me And, you know, when I took my wig off during a 20 mile training run, like that's why I first like took my wig off, like in public, even though it was like really early in the morning and no one was around me. But for me, that was like such an an incredible feeling. I still run past that spot on the greenway all the time. And it just, I will never forget it. But yeah, just something about like running. um, 
I don't know. I just like love it. But yeah, that really is the way I like embrace my alopecia and just feel the most like me now when I'm out running with my bald head and just, yeah, the full slicker moment that like running has like really been for me. (laughs) Go back to that moment, that 20 mile training run. (laughs) Can't just glance over that. That's a big, big part of the story. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can't read or digest that one. You got to go a little deeper into that. Yeah. (laughs) That run, take us back Mm -hmm. to that 20 miler. What was going on in your head? I, I'm thinking that, you know, you were leaning in that direction, right? Like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why do I, why do I care? And it seemed like, 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 like the, the 20, something in that 20 miler yeah. snapped and you just said, forget it. Yeah. So there definitely was a few moments kind of leading up to that. I, you know, again, had kind of been to that point where I was like, you know, I need to just accept my alopecia. And so I had given myself like little tasks, like go to the grocery store without my wig on, which was like a huge deal for me, or, you know, tell someone close to me like about my alopecia, which is something that I didn't do. Um, So like little small things like that over a long period of time. So this was like many small steps like leading to this moment. Um, But yeah, kind of stuff like that. And I think just having like a really great friend group from college who was just so supportive of my alopecia and I really felt like embraced and for the people that like didn't respond nicely I had like really great people that I knew like loved me and cared for me and so like all of that and so yeah uh, you know this is in May this training run I mean I'm in Charlotte so it's hot it's humid yeah um putting that like wig on and just yeah so it's like all of these like little things something about that 20 mile training run Um, just like coming to it. And I definitely was like thinking about my alopecia and just, you know, and I had always dreamed of like getting to this like point in my life where I was confident in myself and I didn't need my wig. I, you know, I wore a wig since I was like super little, but just because it never really felt like me, but just to kind of blend in with like all the, all of my peers. And I didn't know how to like talk to people and say like, no, like this wig isn't me. Like I didn't know how to like say that to my parents because I felt like that's just like what I needed to do is like just to wear my wig. Right. Um, but it never really felt like me. It was very stressful. I felt like I, you know, was like lying and I was lying to people when they would ask, I'd be like, no, this is my real hair. I mean, it wasn't obviously, but, um, and just, yeah, the kind of the way I responded to just stuff like that. But yeah, kind of all of these things kind of building and I, hit that spot on the greenway and I just took it off and it was like sweaty. And I remember just holding it and it smelled disgusting. It was <laughs> sweaty. And it truly was the first time I like looked at it. And I was like, what is like, what is beautiful about this? Because for my whole life, I felt like this wig was the most beautiful thing. Like if I just had hair, I would be beautiful like everyone else. And like, so I always felt like my wig was so beautiful. And I feel like all the other times when I had like taken it off after like a basketball game or a run, like I would just take it off and like put it, you know, like let it, you know, kind of rinse out and not really like look at it because it, and this was the first time I was like physically like really holding it and looking at it. It was like kind of knotted. I was like, there is nothing beautiful about this. Like this is not me. And it was just like such like this incredible moment that like, I like, like took it off and really like that like was it I remember like coming back home you know I hung it up in the shower and I was like you know looking at myself in the mirror like you know touching my head and like looking at the color of my eyes like because for the longest time when I would brush my teeth I would like look in the opposite direction like I would not look at myself in the mirror just because of like how self-conscious I was and I mean I think back to like my first driver's license and you know it says I have blue eyes I have green eyes but I just never like I just never like to look at myself and like really look at myself and my features. And I was like, no, like I have like really good skin. Like I like, you know, so many things that I just kind of glossed over for like my entire life. Um, but yeah, that really was like a huge defining moment for me just with like not needing this wig. And then I flew out to the San Diego marathon. Um, I didn't bring my wig with me cause I was like, if I bring it, like I might wear it, but I loved also the thought of being out in San Diego where like, I didn't know anybody. I knew I wasn't going to like run into anybody. And so that to me was also good. I don't think I could have done that had it been like a race, like here in Charlotte or something. Um, and I just remember like people were just like so nice. And I just felt like people were just cheering for me like 10 times louder. You know, that kind of also opens up another door of just what people assume sometimes with a bald head, but whatever. Um, But yeah, so I just, yeah, I was like, and I remember crossing that finish line and I just felt so proud of myself. Like I just knew like this was the person that I was like always meant to be. And it really was like the first time where I felt like 
the most beautiful and like so empowered and knew like I was going to be okay. Like I'm okay with my alopecia and I had like reached this point and I knew like every like hard thing like alopecia had been like very hard up to that point. Like I can't really think of like many positive things or many positive moments about my alopecia but that really was like the first positive like empowering one and it just yeah it was just kind of like the opening door to everything else that like was to come and I knew like alopecia like yeah this is gonna be hard but like I'm gonna be okay like I'm gonna handle this and like I'm gonna yeah it's gonna be good (laughs) well it's kind of like the wig in a way was a barrier between you know accepting yourself fully for who you are Mm -hmm. and really it was a barrier to reaching a place of acceptance self-acceptance and and self-love like you yeah. had this thing that you'd put on so people would like you and you'd think, oh my God, okay, I've got to wear this thing because people will like me and I'll like myself because I'll I'll think I look beautiful. And it was the thing that was really keeping you from realizing that you are beautiful without it. Yeah, 100%. 100%. What did you do with it? Did you throw it out? <laughs> um, yes, I did. Um, I still have a wig that, I mean, wigs are so expensive. I mean, you're, if a real human hair, you're talking like $2,000 and you know, that's not covered, it's not covered under insurance. And so I still have two wigs. I would love to give to someone who wants a red hair, but I just, I'm not going to throw it out because I mean, I paid for that myself. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. When I, you know, I got a job when I was 12 years old, I was a caddy. I loved it, but that is like how I was like going to, you know, pay for college. And then I got a scholarship. So I just had extra money and that extra money was like going to like pay for wigs and so yeah I have these like two beautiful like red wigs that I've just kind of held on to I haven't worn them but I keep them just because I'm like yeah I'm not gonna just throw it out um but yeah <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea they were two thousand dollars yeah essentially yes your wig is a 1996 Chevy Lumina. That's what, yeah. I mean, that's the, the cost Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, there. it's crazy how much it is. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't even know where to start. If I was playing The Price is Right mm-hmm. and, and, and I had to get into the Showcase Showdown guessing how much a wig cost, I would not get yeah. into the Showcase Showdown. I would have been no. in the yeah. Well, that's for, that's for real, real human hair. You can definitely get like other ones that are not, that are going to be, you know, like, 20, 40, $50, but then that's not really like a durable wig that you could like wear when you're like playing sports or stuff like that. But for like a real human hair that you can like wash and brush and, you know, hair dry and like all that kind of stuff, definitely real, real human hair. A $20 Hannah Montana wig yeah. from the Halloween <laughs> shop that is in the former JC Penney's at the yeah. mall is not going to cut it. No, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so that moment we'll circle back Mm -hmm. that quote that you that i i brought up earlier that you said about alopecia has truly been the greatest gift i never knew i needed Mm -hmm. when did you realize that the thing that you thought made you different in a bad way was the thing that made you the incredible person you are today? Um, I guess I don't, I can't think of like one particular moment where I was like, Oh, I just think like so many opportunities that have came since I've like really embraced my alopecia and just like stayed true to like who I am as far as like wearing, not wearing a wig because that's not me, despite people, you know, telling me I looked prettier when I had a wig and, you know, kind of things like that. It's, you'd be surprised what people have said to me. Yeah. <laughs> what blows my mind, Lindsay, is what possesses someone to think that they need to share that information? Yep. Like, yep. like I, I, do you think you are the supreme consciousness and that all of your thoughts need to be shared verbally and you need to tell somebody what you think they need to do. So yeah. what you think is right. Like the nerve. I know you on. Yeah. Just, yeah. Some of the things that people have said to me just over time is just, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, so I think like that, just the opportunities that have came, you know, just to like share my story just about, you know, having alopecia and just like, 
you know, people that can resonate with that, not just who have alopecia, but, you know, who have, like, a visible difference mm-hmm. or, you know, who have, like, went through a hard time, have been, like, ma- made fun of and bullied for something that they couldn't help. So I think just the opportunity to kind of, like, inspire people and just provide, like, hope and inspiration and just the way alopecia has taught me, you know, how I want to be, like, a good person. Like, I am always empathetic towards someone because I know what it's like to be judged. And I know, you know, just, like, what a terrible feeling that is. And so it has just taught me so much as a person. Whereas I think, like, if I didn't have alopecia, I don't know if I would be as empathetic as I am or as, like, caring and just so many things. And it has made me a better person. It's something I'm so grateful for just because I feel like when you live through it every day and you go through something really hard, it either it goes like one or two ways. Like you can either turn it into like a really positive thing and like learn and grow from it, or it can unfortunately spiral into something really negative and make you like super bitter. Um, and so I think like turning that into a positive and, you know, saying I'm going to take control of malopecia and, you know, start a pen pal program and like help others and all of that. So I just think the opportunities that have came um, from just embracing like who I've always been and continuing to kind of like pave the way for, you know, younger kids who have alopecia as well. And I just think it's like such an honor and opportunity to, you know, like be published in various things and share my story and just, yeah, to be like a role model and knowing that, you know, people are looking up to me. It really means a lot. I really, you know, take that very seriously. I'm just really, really grateful. You're in chicken soup for the soul for crying out loud. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, come on. I wrote my story. You know, I mean, how many other people can say they're in chicken soup for the soul? I'm not in chicken soup for the soul. You know, if the people that are commenting online, not the bad things are not chicken soup for the soul. Um, (laughs) No, but it's a, it's a, and I, I want to word this a certain way because I I don't, you don't suffer from alopecia. You're Mm -hmm. diagnosed with it, right? Yeah. you are, you have a survivor mentality and, and, mm-hmm. and you didn't allow this to give you every excuse you'd have in the world to not do the things you're doing, to not be this person who's out and about and in front of it, who's winning awards. I see you got the Shiro award recently yeah. out in England. <laughs> That's pretty darn cool. Yeah. Chicken yeah. soup for the soul. The Shiro award. <laughs> But you didn't allow it to, you didn't become a victim to it. You became a survivor mm-hmm. of it. And, I, and even the, the term survivor, you know, that, that I don't even know if that's right for what, what you are, but it's the thing that to help define your strength. It made mm-hmm. you who you are today and you're not allowing it to, you know, d- define you in a negative way. So I would say you're a, you're a survivor, not in a way that you're suffering from something, right? Right. Yeah, I yeah, I absolutely agree. I understand 100% what you're saying and and, and agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is good, right? You're moving in the right direction. You are like list listen world. This is Lindsay. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. I hope y'all love it too. And something you had not done before, you weren't mm-hmm. a big buy a, a finish line photo person. <laughs> and yeah. so many of us aren't. I've seen all the watermarked photos that we all post online, hoping that the race director doesn't see all the watermarks on our Facebook page. <laughs> but, but you ran the London Marathon, and the photo that mm-hmm. is attached to the podcast is one of the first finish line photos you bought. You ran the London Marathon. Things went well. Kind of run through why it was the London Marathon, where you decided, like, you know what? $75 for a picture of me looking exhausted <laughs> seems like a very reasonable price. Yes. Yeah. So the one other photo I bought was after grandma's after my first marathon. Cause I didn't, um, yeah. So that, so London was the second photo I've ever bought. You know, I always look at the photos after races. Mine never look good. I just, it's never no a good angle. Do. It's just, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So I've just like never bought a photo. I've never really like cared that much, but I just remember I was like looking through the photos and I was like, wow, like, look at that. Like, you know, I mean, I had ran like over 50 marathons and, you know, just knowing I had like six day in the dome to look forward to and just a lot of ultras I want to do. I was like, who knows how many more marathons I'm going to run. I don't know. I like loved the photo. My stride looked yeah. good. I was like, I look athletic in that photo. Like this is a good photo. And so yeah. I like bought the photo and was like super excited. You know, you just finish the London marathon, you get back to the States. And I was like, Ooh, like, look at this photo. I love it. And yeah, just like feeling really good about myself. Um, and so I like posted it and, you know, something like, Oh, 
great time in London, loved the marathon, or just, you know, something like that. I don't even remember, honestly, what I originally said, but, you know, something right. like grateful for London. Yeah. And immediately, the very first comment that comes is that you look like a sick, ugly man. Immediately, I think for me, it takes me back to my childhood of like, when someone calls me a, a boy, you know, back then, now people tell yeah. me I look like a man, but that is like such a trigger for me and just like affects me so much because I think for me growing up, like one of the biggest things is like, I never wanted someone to think like I wasn't a girl and you know, like girls are pretty like when they have hair and you know, that's always like what I was told. And so it's just always in the back of my mind. And so that is always like the biggest trigger for me. And just like, that was the very first comment I saw. Um, the very first one that like came through and it just immediately crushed me. Like, you know, I'm on this like high after London just immediately I'm like oh my gosh and then you know I you know start to feel like so self-conscious it also is a time where you know I don't have like very many eyelashes and at that time you know they like had almost all fallen out and so I just was like feeling like really self-conscious about myself so I just like deleted the photo um and then I just remember like looking at it I was like uh, you know and I just I I I, I spiraled I felt just so self-conscious I felt so terrible about myself I'm just like picking myself apart whereas like initially when I saw it I was like look at my stride look like look at my leg muscles just like feeling really good about myself mama looks Um, good look at that I look athletic I look fast this is a great yeah exactly and it just yeah I think it just like took me back to just you know the terrible things that like people have said to me and just you know, feeling like really self-conscious about my alopecia. And I think, you know, when someone like comments on my body, you know, just like from, you know, not having hair, then, you know, people think I look like a man or people, you know, think I'm sick. Um, and yeah, it just was like a really hard feeling and really just like knocked me down. And mentally that was just really hard. Um, and I think, yeah, again, cause it just was like the first comment I saw. So I kind of deleted it, just put my phone away for a little bit. Um, I was like, okay, I just need to like go on a little run and just kind of yeah. like clear my mind. And yeah, so I just kind of went on like a little run. And I just remember without my phone or anything. And I was just like, kind of thinking, I was like, no, like, okay, you've ran hundred milers, you ran over 50 marathons, like, you know, and it just kind of, I had to remind myself of just like, you know, like I should be proud of myself and like to not, you know, let someone who doesn't even like know me, um, you know, make comments. And I know like, there's trolls out there, there's mean people and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like when you've been bullied your whole life, it's hard to just ignore people, you know? And I think too, like, I always like try to be nice and I would never be mean to someone. And so when someone's mean to me, especially like saying something to that extreme, it like always like takes me, you know, by surprise. And like, it does, it does hurt my feelings. Like whether I know you or I don't know you, like no one wants to be called a sick, ugly man. Like they just don't. Um, And so uh, yeah, Lindsay, after, I yeah. I get devastated and cry and shut down for two days <laughs> when I read a review of the podcast online that says his laugh sucks. Yeah, so, <laughs> so listen, if that crushes me, the yeah. fact that some loser online makes a comment about you and you go on a run and go like, screw that guy, I'm yeah. posting the photo again. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, where being like I, I don't want to leave the house today. I'm still dealing with that comment about how my laugh sucks. <laughs> and I think too, like that's something that I really had to learn because I think like, you know, had that been five years ago, you know, when I like was struggling with malapicia, like something like that honestly would have broke me for a while. And so I think to also be at this point where I am like just so like okay with my alopecia. Um, that also is something that I am like really proud about. So yeah, I just like posted the photo back again and just, you know, with a comment and just said like I'm not letting negativity win. Like I love this photo. I'm like proud of myself and like always choose kind. And then it just went like crazy viral, like just like nine million views, like and just yeah, and it just was crazy. And just having the opportunity after that to just like share my story with like, you know, the Today Show and People Magazine and just like so many opportunities to bring like awareness and education to alopecia. I think that was just like such an incredible thing just so people, you know, some people don't know what alopecia is and like that's okay. But, you know, just like being open-minded to why someone like might not have hair and just because, you know, someone doesn't have hair doesn't mean that they're, 
not feminine or they're not a girl and just so many things or right. you know not coming on people's body like if someone like looks thin or they look lean like it doesn't mean that they're sick and you just don't know like what a trigger that is for people um and so yeah but just having the opportunity to just kind of like bring awareness and education and just like a really like positive message was just like the best thing um you know I did like reach out to the person and just said like you know, I forgive you. And like, you know, if you want to take back what you said, like I, you know, and he just did not respond. He just said that he said what he, what, what he said. Um, and so, wow. yeah. What a yeah. pathetic human being. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. Holy so. cow. I think, and it's sad we have to say this. This is almost like Lindsay, we could do a public service announcement right now. <laughs> uh, if you think that you need to make a comment about someone's appearance, and that mm-hmm. person is not you. You can comment on your own appearance if you want to look in the mirror and say, hey, I need to shave, whatever. My hair looks bad. You can say that all you want to yourself. But if mm-hmm. you find that you need to make a comment about someone else's appearance, you're pathetic. Stop. <laughs> Just stop. Yeah. Stop typing. <laughs> click, 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 delete. You. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what happy, healthy people do. I'm sorry. If you're a happy, healthy person, you're not commenting on a, a great finish line photo. Oh, you look like a sick bird. And then when when Lindsay, when you, re- you reach out to him and I said what I said, you might be the, and if you're listening to this, I think I can make this statement with 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 uh, pretty good accuracy. You might be the most pathetic person online. Just might be. I, I know there's a lot, of, a lot of competition for that, but you had to have been absolutely blown away, Lindsay by Mm -hmm. the response. So you post it once, knucklehead, we'll call him dickless, makes that comment. You know, he's been dealing with that his whole life. Imagine being, you know, born without one of those and having to be a man. You'd be very angry. Um, (laughs) 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 Um, uh, But then you post it again. And all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. you get the ding, 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 ding. You have, your phone is shaking nonstop. Because yeah. <laughs> people are commenting messages of support. That had to have been like, oh, wow. Yeah, it was incredible. I will say like 95% of the like comments and everything that was like coming through was just so kind and supportive and just so nice. And it really kind of restored my faith in humanity. I think like for every mean thing that anyone has ever said to me, for all of the thousands and thousands of comments of just like really kindness just like made me feel like so good and just like really yeah just like helped me kind of just you know gain my confidence like back up and it just like made everything like feel okay and I was just yeah truly so blown away and just speechless by people and just like the kindness that they had to say and just like oh you know whether they knew about alopecia or not um but yeah just like how kind people were because people did not have to take you know a minute out of their busy day to you know comment back and they did and just like the fact that someone you know wanted to encourage me um and just you know took time out of their day to you know say something positive to me was just beyond just like what i would have thought and just yeah it was like the best the the best feeling it was like a whirlwind of a couple days but yeah it was it was great (laughs) yeah Oh, I can imagine. I think probably too, as you've, as you've transitioned into the world of ultra running, you know, you did mm-hmm. plenty of marathons. You're now moving into the ultra world for you. Have you noticed, I've, I've talked numerous times about the, the ultra community is a band of misfits, people from all walks of life, all dealing with different things, but yet we don't care about our differences. We all come together and we celebrate each other in our accomplishments Yes, a thousand percent. I think, yeah, I just think back to like my first 100 and just like, I mean, I didn't like know anyone like really at that race and just like the amount of people that were just like so kind and helpful and just who were like, do you need anything just from like food and just sunscreen and just like the way people like cheer for you just and it was just so incredible and it just I mean, marathons are great, but like ultras are so different just because, you know, you do stop and rest and you can like talk to people. And so, you know, it's just kind of different. But yeah, I just felt like so embraced and no one, you know, was like giving me like a weird look. No one I could feel, you know, kind of like whispering about me or, you know, anything like that. I just felt so embraced and like celebrated. And yeah, ultras have been the best for me. And I'm just like really grateful that I've gotten to run and the ultra community. Yeah, has been just like the most supportive. 
when you think about the ultra community as a whole, I mean, you've got you men and women running in button down dress shirts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty, plenty to see. I, you you yeah. probably even noticed, you know, yeah. no one even thought twice about, about that. Um, what are your goals ultra wise now, Lindsay, as you've done, you know, six days in the dome, you've, you've run some, some 50 milers. What are your goals? And is ultra kind of your new, your new bag? And are you leaving marathons kind of on the shelf for a minute? Um, so six days in the dome, I definitely am doing that again. I would love to just do a lot better than I did the first time. I feel like kind of the same thing with a hundred, like you run it once, but you don't really fully experience it. Cause you're like, I just want to finish like, you know? So yeah, I definitely am really eager to do six days again and kind of build off that. And just like my experience, I have like a big kind of mileage goal in mind for that. So I definitely, that's like at the forefront right now. Um, I would love to break sub three in, in the marathon. Um, that's also a goal of mine. So definitely want to get back into marathons. Um, and then, yeah, um, Badwater is one of the races I really want to do. Um, that's kind of big up on my list. And then, yeah, I think just continue to like, yeah, just if I'm feeling good and healthy, just keep running races. I feel like that's something that I really enjoy is like, you know, finding a race and like setting a goal that like means the most to me. So if that's like, Hey, I want to train for a marathon now these next couple months or like, Oh, I want to know, I want to jump back into ultras. I think just like kind of being versatile with that and just, you know, setting a goal and like running a race that like, again, like means the most to me and like makes me the most excited to train for. And that's something that I love about running is just that there's so many different, you know, races and distances and stuff like that. So it's always like a different kind of goal to chase down. Um, but yeah, I hope just to keep running as many races as I can and just keep Im- improving and yeah, I'm just like keep having fun with it. <laughs> yeah. Just keep on doing what you love. Yeah. <laughs> Be better at it. And I, I wish you many, uh, injury free miles. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I did notice on your Instagram and your Facebook, mm-hmm. you have traveled all over the world. You yeah. have been on all of these television shows. You have been <laughs> flown across the Atlantic for award shows. What has been the coolest experience that you've had um, the last couple of years? That's a good question. Um, honestly, I would say probably getting to go to Manchester this past November to be a global finalist for the Shiro Award was just something that I was like not expecting at all. And just because it's global, like people from like all over the world. Right. And, You're like the Slinger Shiro Award. Right. I was I, yes. I, I can beat anybody else in Slinger. Yeah. <laughs> but when it's the world, that yes. must have been. When you get the email that you're like, hey, you're a finalist for the Shiro Award. And yes. You're like, is this a, is this a scam email? Are you going to ask me right. for my bank account number? I was on the beach in Bali when I got the email and I was like, what? Like, what? I was like to my friend, I was like, read this. <laughs> like, and <it> just, <laughs> yeah. And I just honestly couldn't believe it. And then as the, you know, selection process, like carried on the different kind of judging panels, there was like a lot to it really. Then, you know, when you found out that you made the top 10, um, you know, they had your first name and where you were from, you know, it was like from Tanzania, Zimbabwe, Australia. And it just was like, like, it just to think of like, wow, like, I can't believe like I get to represent the United States and the alopecia community and the running community and just everything. And honestly, I was not expecting to win at all. I just honestly was in shock. And it was just such like a surreal moment. And it just like meant so much. Again, I just think looking back on, you know, just like my life and just, you know, how hard it kind of really was at times, just that award just meant so much, you know, to, yeah, to get to represent just so much more than myself. Um, but yeah, that was just like such an incredible feeling and moment. And I'll just like cherish that for like a lifetime, really. I think that, and I think, um, definitely my first one, 100 as well. That was in, uh, April of 2021. Um, just because yeah, jumping from the marathon to the hundred miler, that's obviously very different. Um, but yeah, just kind of finishing that and just, you know, the weather, there was like a tornado in the distance and we had like crazy downpours and it just was everything that like ultra should be that make them just so awesome. Um, but yeah, just like finishing that and just, you know, getting that belt buckle and, you know, 24 hours, just like 
how proud of myself I was just to be like, I ran a hundred miles. Like, you know, it was crazy and just like the best feeling mentally, everything you kind of have to go through, you know, run a hundred miles. Um, but yeah, definitely that like first like belt, belt buckle too. Yeah. And that's when you realize when there's a tornado in the distance, you're like any <laughs> other race would have canceled by now. Right. Yeah. The local half marathons going, okay, everybody take shelter. This race is over. There's a tornado right. five, five miles away. Right. Ultra, it's Everyone's like, just, just make sure you get going. to the next aid station. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember I was like coming through and it just was like, you know, crazy downpours and like all that. There was like not very many, a lot of people were taking a break during that time. And I just had like two more laps left. Yeah. Remember I like come into like the aid station and the, and the race director's like looking at me and I'm like shivering. Cause I don't really want to go back out there, but like I do, cause I want to finish. And he just, I respect him so much. He's just so incredible. But, like he gives you that like tough love, which is like hundred percent what you need in that situation. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you know what happens, you know, life isn't fair. Just go, go get it done. And I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. And just like, that's like what I needed, but just like the way he kind of just said it and just so like nonchalantly, like, and yeah, I just like took off running, you know, back into the rain again. Um, but yeah, I just like remember that moment too, but yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Get that yeah. buckle. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got a buckle with a tornado. You've got the best story ever. You're like, I got yeah. a buckle with a tornado. How many people can right. say that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lindsay, I look forward to seeing great things from you in the future when it comes to the, uh, the, the running of ultra marathons and anything you choose to do. Thank you so much for taking some time and coming on the Adventure Jogger. Thank you for having me and just like your kindness and your support and just, yeah, I really appreciate it.